I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> anyway, this is the... Oh, that was actually... I feel that was crap. Let's do that <laughs> okay. I didn't like any of that. Okay. Episode 219 of 20 Minute Tims. This is the flagship podcast, and I am joined by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. What's happening, folks? And by golly, it's only two episodes into the new season, and we're going to have a moan this week. Aren't <laughs> oh, it's going to be a yes. big old positive fest this, this episode, oh, isn't it? Strap yourselves in, folks. If the reaction podcast that we recorded immediately after the game, available on Patreon, is anything to go by, have we, have we calmed down by then? <laughs> Uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, I'm going to try and be a little bit more measured than I was immediately after uh, the final whistle, as we recorded yesterday. Uh, still going to be a lot of the same themes covered, unfortunately. I don't oh, think sure. I've really changed my mind on the game, but I'll try and be a little bit more balanced. I was extremely furious right after that game, Melly. Oh, disgusting. And uh, the fact that I had to watch it again tonight to refresh my memory, it just enraged me even more. Um, the reaction podcast is something that we do immediately after every single Celtic game. We are on the microphones recording a podcast that goes out on Patreon. And a new feature that we do surrounding the games is the preview show live. You can watch that as a patron exclusively to our patrons on YouTube. Uh, and that kicks off an hour before the game. That's a um, lot of fun. Yeah, that is that is a lot of fun. Our first our first bash at live TV, I suppose yeah, it is, a live yeah. video. Um, we fully cover all the Celtic games over on Patreon as well as we have some great Celtic features. If you want to check it out, you probably know by now, it's patreon.com slash 20minutetims and you can enjoy all our output for less than the price of a pint or so every single month. We ran a competition last week. We are trying to get our reviews up on iTunes and on Podcast Addict. We ran a competition to win a solid gold, not solid gold, 20 Minute Tim's badge. <laughs> you have to leave us a humorous, funny, interesting, good review on one of those platforms. We have a winner. We will reveal the winner, Stephen, yes. at the end of the yes, show, because that's how these things happen. That's <laughs> how these things happen. They do look solid but gold, in fairness, but but possibly not You can t- tell your authentic. friends, tell your friends, <laughs> a sol- like a fake Rolex, tell your friends it's solid gold. <laughs> um, but before we get to the Command Look game, we have a special announcement of an extremely special <laughs> guest coming on the, the podcast for the patrons. Uh, he's a friend of the show now, Stephen, he I is, suppose, yes. a bona fide a bona fide friend of the show, yeah. and we'll reveal who that is at the end. Melly, two games in to the 10 in a row season, and we have already, we've not fallen, but we've stumbled. Yeah, we really have. It was it was pretty poor to watch. We 
we got an early goal from a free kick, but apart from that, we didn't really create much. And going into the last 10, 15 minutes, I didn't expect Celtic to win. And that is not a very nice position to be in. Positives out the way first. The strip looked good. The strip looked yeah. pretty oh, snazzy. Oh, yeah. yes. Debut for that yes. one. I was quite happy with how that looked. Uh, did, you this snazzy? Yeah. <laughs> did you say snazzy? Yeah. Did you say the new Celtic strip looks pretty snazzy? I, did. I don't oh, think, hell, Jamie, I don't think anyone noticed. Don't just <laughs> roll over the top of it. Don't worry, I don't think right, anyone okay. will notice. Right. Uh, yeah, that looked pretty good. The pitch, however, didn't. I think because oh. it was a nice sunny day when it was played and I think the sun bouncing off that concrete painted green with some rubber mm. crumbs thrown across it pitch uh, looked resplendent in the, the glorious sunshine. It was a, a desperately poor game of football to watch and no doubt to take part in. I don't want to do the I don't want to lean too heavily on the I the pitches crap because right, we all know that, but guess who else knows that? Celtic know that as well. So what's the plan B? How are we going to approach this game in a way that's going to suit Celtic? How are we going to overcome these hurdles? And to be brutally honest, they didn't manage to. Kilmarnock were good. I thought they did their job perfectly. They all seemed really chuffed with the result. The manager seemed delighted. I think it was um, Finlay had tweeted immediately after the game, I'm buzzing with that. And people Mm. are quite rightly saying, mate, it's only a draw. But in fairness, they they achieved their goal of the game and managed to close Celtic out. It was clear, Melly, that Kamalnik had a game plan. Alex Dyer came out after the game and said our game plan was to stifle Celtic, stay compact, be difficult to beat, get bodies behind the ball. And they carried it out and they got the result they were after, obviously. Yeah, they did. They were very good at that. They blocked a lot. They seemed very narrow, very deep. But that's up to Celtic to break that down then. It's not as if this is the first ever team that's come in and thought, oh, this is the way to play against Celtic. Most teams are going to play like yeah. this against Celtic. And the worrying thing was... With, we didn't really come up with any ideas. The the four up front, the three behind the striker and the striker were very poor. None of them with any creativity. There was no point in the game where I thought, hand on, head on hands. Head on hands? <laughs> hands no, on head. I don't head. know if that's a good thing to say. He's a, but see, Stephen, can I just stop? He's about to say hands on head as well. And I think he might mean hand on heart. No, no, hands no. on head, like right. a missed opportunity. We oh, were, right, okay. Close, the, no ah, cigar. The Samaras, okay. if you know what I mean, the, the Samaras gesture, he, he was fun yeah. with that, wasn't he? No cigar, but some snus in the pitch, but uh, we <laughs> were really poor and there was no point in the last 10, 15 minutes where I thought, oh, good opportunity there, we should have been in yeah. there, good cross, didn't work it out wide, didn't have any shots on target, it was very, very poor. We could, the old saying, we could still be playing the day and we wouldn't have <laughs> yeah. scored. Villas Barkas got his debut. I thought it was a peculiar time to give the, the big man his debut. He could have presumably played last week at home at Celtic Park, but no, we give him it away to Kelly on the plastic pitch, something that we discussed on the preview game, whether or not he played in a plastic pitch before. He didn't really have an awful lot to do, that being said, but I think what he did do, he looked confident coming for the crosses. Yeah. He yeah. got down okay-ish for the penalty, but to be fair, it was a, it was a decent penalty. But, but aside for that, I think Kilmarnock only registered one other shot on target. So mm. not a big test for Barkas there. No, um, he'll, he'll face sterner tests than that, of course. But as we said in the previous show before the game, it would be really quite ideal if he had nothing to do whatsoever. And he, d- he didn't really, apart from, as you say, the penalty, which he didn't have much of a chance with. Guessed the right way. And he definitely guessed the right way because he already started moving to that side before the penalty was struck. So he did kind of put all his all his eggs in that basket. It was just a quite quite a well hit penalty to be honest. It was right in the corner, so he had little chance with it. 
Scott Brown, Scott Brown, he's the leader of the Celtic. Uh, Scott Brown, Scott Brown, he's the leader of the social media moaning again for the <laughs> second week in a row. Um, the social media moaning about Scott Brown has reached fever pitch. He's finished, um, according to some people. Mm. Now, we're not going to discuss the extremes of the opinions you see on Twitter. You get all very huge range of opinions on Twitter, most of which we'll just ignore. But I think there definitely is a conversation to be had in this podcast about Scott Brown's contribution to that game in particular. I thought it was pedestrian at best. Mm. I, I really thought it was pedestrian at best. I, I felt at a time when we needed something different, when Kilmarnock weren't doing very much attacking, when there wasn't, you know, the meat and potatoes of Scott Brown's game, running up, breaking attacks, getting involved in things like that. I didn't think there was an awful lot on the offer for Scott Brown because Kilmarnock really weren't attacking very much. I thought the game needed a bit of creativity, more forward passes. I, I think maybe it was one of those games where we needed and cham on a bit quicker. That's as polite as I can be about Scott Brown's performance against Kilmarnock, Melly. Yeah, I thought it was quite painful to watch sometimes, but I'll give Scott Brown the benefit of the doubt. He's proved us wrong before. He is 35 years old. This is probably the biggest layoff he's had in his career. Stephen, I think you mentioned it just when the break was coming up, or just at the start of the break, that that's a long time for a 35-year-old not to play football. It's only the second game into the season. It's a difficult pitch. There's a lot going on. He's maybe not up to speed. I'll give him that, but you can't just leave him on the pitch because of his past reputation. That game was crying out for creativity. It wasn't working. Get the changes done early because Kilmarnock, they weren't breaking on us. There was nothing in there. And I said it yesterday, there's nothing that Scott Brown done yesterday that Callum McGregor wasn't doing or couldn't do. He can take the ball off the defence. He can break up any play. In front of that, we need more creativity in the team. I mentioned it as well before the game yesterday. I wanted to see some creativity from Ryan Christie, and we didn't get it at all. We're sort of lacking in that midfield. I'm going to be Dick Advocate here, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say to you, Stephen. Please do. Ellen say Ryan Christie, James Forrest, Frimpong, Taylor, Edward, Callum McGregor, all these guys are on the pitch there to provide creativity to the game. We are looking at Scott Brown and going, we need the creativity, and it's Scott Brown's fault. He's going to turn around and say, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to give the ball to the plate ballers and they're yeah. meant to be doing the things like that. Well, I suppose this is uh, an issue of attributing blame. I don't blame Scott Brown for not contributing creativity or goals or anything like that. It's simply not what he's going to do. I would point the finger at the management for leaving him on the pitch for, for as long as yeah. they did when he was, it clearly wasn't essential, especially when we go to a three at the back and and try to go a bit wider. There's no need for three centre-halves and then Scott Brown sitting eight yards ahead of them as well. All he's doing is playing simple passes when really one of the defenders could be stepping out and doing that. It's not essential. To, I, I totally agree with Melly. It's not essential to have him on the pitch purely because he is Scott Brown. Uh, I think it, the decision probably could have been taken at half time to get Olivier and Cham on and, and just change things up a bit. I did say to you both yesterday that as much as Olivier and Cham as a player seems like a good fit for that game to try and open up defences, I just simply couldn't imagine it happening because it was such a poor game I I, I just so wondered bad. I struggled to imagine what Encham was going to do that was any different to anyone else and, that, and that's like falling over the ball or playing like passes that were trundling along that terrible pitch and all that so I, again this is only my, my imagination as the as the game is playing out but I definitely would have had him on an awful lot earlier than, than he, he came on I think that what did he get 20 minutes I just I think that was too little too little too late to be honest imagine you were a, 
an English fan or whatever, and you're going, do you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. Aberdeen Rangers, that should be a good one. You watch that last week, then you go, do you know what? I'll give it another chance. That maybe was just a one-off, and you watch that yesterday, <laughs> off right now. Are you talking about, are you saying it's a bad advert for Scottish football? <laughs> it's that what you're saying? <laughs> Look, the problem I've got here is that, as you said, Stephen, everyone's trying to attribute blame. Who, who's, who's at fault here? Um, I know Scott Brown didn't exactly set the header alight, but th- there are other players on that pitch whose job it is to provide, create and score goals. And the fact that we didn't do that, I, I think you can't really point the finger at Scott Brown. He'll turn around and say, look, that's not my job. And, and whether or not Olivier and Cham on the pitch would have made a difference yesterday, it is, you know, it's all hypothetical and it's up for debate. And I think he probably would have. But the bigger picture with Olivier and Cham for me is the guy's easily... The first or second, depending on what flavour of midfielder you like, best midfielder in the country behind Callum McGregor, it yeah. is my opinion, yeah. right? And you can, either way, whoever you think is best. And he can barely get a sniff of the Celtic team. Yeah, that's, it's, it's unfortunate. It, when there's players in there that are underperforming, you know, I'm looking at Eli Nussi, I'm looking at Forrest, I'm looking at Christie. There must be a solution to getting a Livy and Cham in this team that doesn't involve putting Callum McGregor at right uh, left-back. So now, don't mention that, but there must <laughs> no. be a solution to getting Olivia and Cham in this team. I suppose it, in a couple of weeks, things might have played out a little bit and Olivia and Cham might, might leave. They might leave and then suddenly things will be a bit more clear. You'll let, Neil Lennon will probably say at that point, well, that's why I wasn't playing him because he's one foot at the door. But see, at this stage, we don't know that. So our inclination as fans is to say, well, why is he not playing? Because it's ridiculous having a player of that talent just sitting rotting away doing nothing because of an over-reliance on a 35-year-old midfielder. Scott Brown, again, I don't, I don't really want to get drawn on the is he finished or, or is he you know, still in the prime of his life debate because the, the truth of that is, I don't know. I don't know if he's finished, but what is happening is he's getting closer to it. One of these days, mm. he will not be able to do it anymore. It's a bit like... Man United signed Bastian Schweinsteiger not long after he won the World Cup with Germany and it seemed like a, a sensible signing but then he, he took to the pitch and then you're like oh wow you've not got it anymore like it's, mm. it's just no it's just no in you anymore that's going to happen with Scott Brown it's not going to be like a a light being switched off it's not going to be overnight like one of these days it's a kind of it's like in a grey area he'll still be able to turn up and, and do something resembling the Scott Brown performance but I'm a wee bit worried about it. I'm a wee bit worried about how it's getting managed. I think he's the exactly the type of guy that you're going to need to bring on for the last half hour of games when things are getting a little bit sticky, when you need to close things down in midfield. But I see no reason that he has to play what would really have been intended to be 90 minutes away to Kilmarnock when you're chasing a goal. I think you're right. I think you're right about Scott Brown. You know, aside from this game, I'm not pinning the blame on Scott Brown for this no, game. No. Aside from this game... It's almost inconceivable that we would sign, sign Scott Brown. What age was he when we signed him? 22, 23? Mm, something about like that. that 20, yeah, about about his 20. It's almost inconceivable that he would be first choice midfielder for Celtic from the age of, say, 23, whenever we signed him, to 30-odd, 34, 35. That it's, mm. You know, most players, that their ability diminishes. Now, I know a couple of seasons ago, Brendan Rodgers carved out a very specific role for Scott Brown. But as you say, he's not going to be able to play that forever. I'm not saying he's finished. But what I'm saying is it, it would be unusual if at this stage in Scott Brown's career there wasn't some form of let-up in the role he played. You know, most mm, yeah. players either play less football at the top level or move down the leagues. 
you can't, Scott Brown can't. I would be amazed if Scott Brown continued to be the Scott Brown we know and love right up until the day he retired. So he's yeah. Scott Brown, brilliant, 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 retire. But it's going to tail off at some point, yeah, you're as you said. It happens with everyone. I mean, I don't want this to sound like we're insulting Scott Brown. It's just simply a, a kind of grasping of the facts. We had Paul Lambert in a very similar situation, but he was younger and, in all honesty, a better player than Scott Brown before he started being phased out of the team. But it's not happened for Scott Brown because he, in the last couple of seasons he made himself essential. I just worry that going forward he might be, he and Lennon might be clinging on to kind of past glories. I'm not, I'm not saying it's happened just now. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out for the first quarter I, of the season or so. I, I think the way that Neil Lennon wants to play the football, I think you need a Scott Brown. I think you need a guy in there doing the dirty work, doing the leg work in midfield, well, doing the the breaking up the play and all that. I don't think in Cham is that guy. Hmm. So if we take Scott Brown out of that team, right, I think we need to find an entirely different way to play because you can't have Scott Brown not there, a midfield of McGregor and Cham, and still let Frimpong and Greg Taylor bomb up the pitch. So basically you're relying on your two centre-halves to do the majority of the defending because mm. I don't think we'll I and get, Julian are we'll really get to up, that. up for it. Yeah, we'll get to that. Aye, we'll, <laughs> we will get to that. Mo- moving away from Scott Brown, let's talk about you know guys that I think are probably a wee bit more culpable. And it's... I think the, the team as a whole is culpable. I think the main problem Celtic had yesterday was they were far too pedestrian. You, if a team's camped in like that, Melly, you need to move the ball quickly. It needs mm. to go from side to side quick. You need to probe it. Your fullbacks need to be running beyond. And then you really, really, really need your top class players to produce something special. And Moelle Nusse, as a player that we know can produce something special, you were particularly excited about him coming back, mm-hmm. Melly, this season. Um, two games, though. And you're going right. When does it start? You know, when does the Elianusi? When does he arrive? Yeah, he's been disappointing so far. But let's remember, he came back for that cup final, which was the start of December, and was injured. So he's basically seven months without playing football. Hmm. And he's came back two two games into the season. People are like, why did we buy this guy? He's not doing it. It's the second game of the season. Yesterday, if we had nine players, eight nine players that played well, we'd have won that game. But we had 10 outfield players, maybe McGregor I'd maybe give pass marks to. The rest of them, nobody got better than a five for me. Yeah. I thought they were all shocking. So you can have one or two passengers, you can't have 10. And unfortunately, that's what we had yesterday. Elianusi, he's a guy that is more like the Sinclair. He's not going to skin players and take them on. He'll get any good positions and score. He didn't do that. And yeah. the reason I look about that is... Well, there was no creativity at all. Nobody created any chances for him. Nobody created anything for Edward. And you're asking, why is that? Well, I didn't see Frimpong or Taylor any good one-twos that could get them in behind and put crosses across like they did last week against Hamilton. It's where we got a couple of goals from. James Forrest wasn't taking players on and getting to the byline, cutting things back. He wasn't moving inside. There was no space, so we had to find another way. And we didn't. We simply didn't have any ideas. Mel, you, you talk about um, getting passages of play together and getting in behind the defence, such as Hampton Aki's, and I was really surprised at that because I looked at Greg Taylor yesterday, and I don't think he had a particularly bad game. I do agree with you that there weren't many standout performances or, or pass marks, as you say. Um, but I looked at Greg Taylor and I thought, where's the guy from last week? Why why did yeah, we see that penetration with, in the cutbacks that, that were leading to easy goals, easy well not easy, but but clear cut chances for Edward to just stick away. 
I, I watched them, uh, and I've watched a bit of the game back as well. I've watched the highlights back, and there, there were moments in the first half where he was picking up the ball in loads of space to go up, to try and get in behind, and he would pass inside. He would do like what you would typically expect from bowling goalie. He would cut inside and get congested on the inside. There was one moment in the second half where he and Christie played a really nice one-two. Taylor was in behind, and he cut back to Edward, and Edward just sort of tamely padded it towards the keeper. And the ref blew up for a nonsense foul. There was like a like a, a silly wee foul in the in the build up for it, but that that's really a side issue. But I just I thought to myself, what's that? Where where was more of this? We had such success last week from these cutbacks and tap ins. All it's going to take is for somebody to beat one player, and you're going to be in there. Yeah. Hamilton Aki's managed to do that to Celtic last week. And I, I don't I don't mean to sound like I'm having a go at Greg Taylor here, but he just happens to be part of both of these examples. Hamilton Aki's getting behind Celtic on two occasions last week because they managed to easily beat Greg Taylor and get in behind and clear cut chances were created out of it. Where was that yesterday? I, I really can't I, understand. I mean, Greg Taylor's stats yesterday, he attempted eight crosses and only completed one. Right. Um, okay, yeah. And Jeremy Frimpong attempted two all afternoon. Hmm. There was a there was a distinct lack of creativity, attacking spark, all that stuff that you associate with Neil Lennon's teams, you know, the high volume, getting the ball forward, getting the ball quick, all the stuff we spoke about last week. You know, it's... Yeah. Celtic created almost nothing, you know. On Scout, Celtic's XG was, I think, 0.3 for this game. I had I had a look back. The League Cup final, where we got absolutely pumped by Rangers, but ended up winning it with one goal, was 0.6. The mm. lowest XG Celtic game I could find that came close was lower than that was when we got pumped 5-0 off a of PSG. That was the point okay. that's stuck. In terms, So that's that's where we're at in terms of how much we created yesterday. So if you listen to us thinking, oh, Celtic weren't that bad or we were unlucky, we weren't. Mm. We we just we completely did did not create anywhere near enough. Edward, he was isolated. I, I went off on Edward in the in the reaction podcast yesterday just because I was angry. Just, But at the same time, he's a big player. And, and it's when you're stuck in the mud in one of these games, you're looking and going, right, Who's going to pull us out of this? Is it Edward? Is it Elianusi? Is it Christie? Is it where are the guys that are going to the spark that's going to pull us out of this? But I think ultimately Edward had a, a pretty tough afternoon in a really really congested area. But that brings me to the rumours last week that Stephen Fletcher was linked to Celtic, mm. um, and you're looking at that game yesterday and you're thinking, what can Celtic do differently? Because they have to come up with a plan. I don't think there's any doubt, Melly Stephen, that we're going to face a lot of that this season, especially mm. now that the way Kamarnock were successful, other teams are going to look at that and think, well, why don't we try and do the same thing? So Celtic were linked with Stephen Fletcher last week and it didn't go down well. Now, yeah. Neil Lennon said they're still in talks with, with Stephen Fletcher, so he may or may not be a Celtic player. I'm not 100% against it, Stephen. I think that no. you know that's the sort of signing that offers you something different. A big target man, a good partner for Edward, someone with a bit of quality. He's got a good personality. Apparently he's a real winner, a professional and a it's just, I think it's not as bad as people think. He's not glamorous, but yeah, do you you're think right. he would have helped us yesterday? Yeah, that's that's a good word to use, actually. He's, he's, he's not glamorous, but, and I think that kind of disappoints people because I think people are still of the mindset that you need proven European-ready strikers of the level of which simply aren't available to Celtic. For, for the most part, it, that's not going to come around. We're not going to go and sign a guy from like Sevilla or something like that. It's, it's not going to happen. Stephen Fletcher, is there a happy medium between you know someone someone from an established European club and Stephen Fletcher? Maybe, but I wasn't against the Stephen Fletcher thing because I'd be lying if I said I saw a lot of Sheffield Wednesday last season. I preferred their earlier stuff, Sheffield Wednesday, not their stuff in the 90s. 
But um, I, I listened to people talking about Stephen Fletcher, and he's very highly thought of as a teammate. Yeah. A lot of people who have played with him say he's great to to play with. He's, he's he works extremely hard, and he makes chances for people. It kind of reminds me of the old Emil Heskey stuff. Like nobody could really yeah. understand why he was so highly rated by his teammates, but all his teammates really talked him up as a great partner. Stephen Fletcher is kind of in that mold. I think if you're going to want someone to go up top with odds on Edward, I think Stephen Fletcher makes a lot of sense. I think he's the type of guy yeah. who would make things stick and bring bring other players around him into the play. And that's maybe unfair on him as well because I don't want to paint him as just some blunt instrument target man. He's actually quite a skillful player as well. I know he's getting on a bit. I know he's 33 or whatever it is, but he's actually got a very good touch and can and can finish chances as well. So I wasn't against it in the slightest. I wasn't like fully. I was as excited as it's possibly to get, possible to get Aye, about the signing of Stephen about, Fletcher. Yeah, we're not talking about Edward out, Fletcher in. What we're talking no, about no. here is Bio out. Clamalla's not yeah. ready. Lee Griffiths can't be relied upon. So we need a potentially second or third choice striker. Yeah, yeah. that, that is option, basically what we're thinking about. An option, and I know it's easy to Aye. sit here now and with what we've been served up yesterday, just say, well, Stephen Fletcher would have been the answer to that. That's, that's not really what we're saying, but what is undeniable is that we needed a plan B, a better, some sort of better approach in the last, well, in the last half of of the game. Certainly, half an hour, twenty minutes. We needed something to happen here. Klamala and the final roll of the dice was bowling goalie going on as a total mm. wild card at the end. I, I don't that's, know what that's it, what it was. Yeah. A, a wild card. That's when you're reaching, like you're rummaging around in the bottom of the packet of crisps, and there's one really disappointing, <laughs> wee flaky one at the bottom there, and you've picked it. <laughs> and just <laughs> sorry, bowling goalie, but um, I, that was a, a very strange one. We should have a plan B. Plan B is usually Lee Griffiths, but obviously, you know, Lee Griffiths couldn't be relied upon. He couldn't he couldn't get himself fit enough to turn up to his work. He decided to have a, a COVID party, um, which was very, very helpful of him, uh, as well as everything else. I think you're right, Stephen. I think Fletcher, someone up there that can do a bit of, put themselves about a bit, bullying other teams' yeah. centre-halves, the same way that maybe Kabamba bullied our centre-half, Melly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. I wasn't against Fletcher either. I looked at it the same way you did. Is he better than Bayo? Definitely. Klamala, right now, yes. And Griffith, right now, yes. So if you're going to get a guy like that in, you said what solution can Celtic get? What plan B can they have? And I had a look into this. So when we came back from the winter break last year, I looked at the away games we played because I think the 4 2 3 1, as we seen last week, looked fine at home. We can break teams down with more attacking at home, even without fans. And going into the game yesterday, You'd maybe pick Cham for Brown if you're being fussy, but that was probably the right team to pick. But I think going forward for away games has got to be 3 5 2. Mm. I had a look and we played six away games, and I'm just taking league games here. Mm. We played six away games in the league. We won five of them, the last one being against Livingston, and in that one, it wasn't Edward and Griffiths up front. So in the five previous games to that, we won every single one of them. We beat Kelly 3-1, St. Johnson 3-0, Hamilton 4-1, Motherwell 4-0 and Aberdeen 2-1. They're all great results yeah. and a lot of goals in there. 3-5-2, mm-hmm. I'm not on board with it for Europe. I think if we played that in Europe, teams will just snuff yeah, you out because their fullbacks will rip you apart. But for the SPFL, in these away games, sometimes you need to do something different and we did that last year. Now, going into that game yesterday... Harry hindsight, or maybe we should have started with three five two. But the team had won four one, five one last week, and 
can you really stick Clamalla in his first proper start away at Kilmarnock? It's not ideal, so we really need to get another option in there because if we're going with two up front, Clamalla and Edward, there's nobody on the bench if that's not working, so we really yeah. need to get players in here. Now, Kabamba isn't the type of guy, you wouldn't say Celtic go out and buy him or no. Lyndon Dykes, but you can see what a threat these guys are because... Right from the start, I think he had a wee turn and he pegged Julian, and that was Julian's game done. Yeah. He was done. It was in his head. I think I said it yesterday. Julian, he's got the ability. He's a better player. He, he can go up against physical players, but if they get the better of him at the start, he falls to pieces. It, it was really bad. He gets skinned out wide again. He doesn't like it when he has to go out wide. And I thought, maybe it's not just something he has to work off on the pitch. Maybe off it if he speaks to a sports psychologist. Because these guys, Kabamba, Lyndon Dykes, they're not good players. They're mm. just physical. And they just put themselves about. And it seems to set them off. Offensive duels, Kabamba was involved in 23 of them. Is that, is that his nickname, Jay? <laughs> That's his, that's his nickname. Right? <laughs> he was involved in 23, he won 8. Um, he was involved in 22 aerial duels and won 9. Um, despite what the stats say, I think it was pretty obvious from our point of view, from the point of view of a couple of guys watching the game, that Julian was, ha was having a, a bit of an old time of it, Stephen, wasn't he? Not for the first time. And um... Is he a pussy? Let's just ask you. Is, he, is Christopher Julien a big old pussy? I hope he's not listening. I wouldn't say it to his... Well, maybe I would say I it to his face. I hope he is listening. <laughs> that's, that's the test, isn't it? I, I got, do you know to what? be fair, I'm pretty fearsome. Six foot I, five, well, so... I, I am imposing. Um, but hmm. to, I, I'm worried about this now with Julien because if this is all it takes, Melly has made the point that these guys are not... I mean, we're not talking about Diego Costa here. We're not talking about Sergio Aguero. We're he can talk it immobile. Yeah, but he comes uh, up against Cabamba and he uh, cakes the bed, as Melly would say. We're talking about <laughs> uh, uh, a phrase I've already used: blunt instruments. Here, if it's that easy, every team in the league's got one of these guys. And if it's just mm. if it's that easy to disrupt these defenders by just sticking a big guy on top of them, I'm worried. To be perfectly honest, because we talk about Cabamba getting away from him a couple of times right see if he was quicker Celtic were in deep trouble yesterday because he was clean through on two occasions I think it was but didn't have the legs to continue it and quite lucky that Ayer and Frimpong are pretty quick and managed to recover the ground if he was like a smaller quicker striker massive trouble I'm worried about Julian's state of mind in these games because it's everything about it It's not. I'm not just making judgments that I'm not qualified to make I'm just I'm looking I'm observing him and how he acts on the pitch when the second the, the second time he gave away to Kabamba was the one he got stuck under the ball and just sort of fell over when he was on the deck he was lying there punching the ground the mm. penalty which we've not talked about as well when he conceded the penalty he didn't really protest he had a quick look to the referee realised there was no point and then he just he looked to the sky and just like threw his hands up as if why have I done this again it just seems to get into his own head really, really easily. And as Melly says... Poops upside his head. Poops up, yeah. <laughs> there you go. He's, he's usurped by his own <laughs> Hoisted by his own petard. And it's, <laughs> it, it just seems to completely mentally go to pieces. And I'm I'm a bit worried about it now because, uh, as I say, every team in the league's got one of these, whether it's Cosgrove or Cabamba or... Eamon Brophy, Lyndon Dykes, dare I say it, Alfredo Morelos and Kamar Roof. and all, all these guys are going to cause Julian and I are problems because of how 
fragile they seem to be in the head and I'm, mm. I'm concerned about it now because you can't ignore this pattern that's emerging this is far from the first time this has happened you can rhyme off all the games that this has happened in twice against Livingston Copenhagen's slightly different because they're are, are a, of a different level and Damian Doy is undoubtedly a very good player but we're talking about a guy in his mid-30s who just completely bullied the, the defence again so there's an undeniable pattern emerging and as I, as I say it's a concern for me going going forward I think it's a, a phrase I used on the, the reaction podcast I haven't calmed down in, in this regard I think we might be faced with having to cut some losses when it comes to this centre-half pairing now. I've I've always been big defenders of both of them. I think they're both good players. But together, they just, for, for whatever reason, they just don't seem to bring out the best in each other. It's, to be fair, it's something we've said for a wee while on the podcast. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking about this today. Like When you think of great defensive partnerships, so one makes up for the other's weakness now, Ayer's pace sort of makes up for the fact that Julian has that, but usually with a good centre-half pairing, one will do the dirty work, one will go with the physicality and do all that, and the other's the good footballer. But with Ayer and Julian, I think they're both good centre-halves. And in a three with another centre-half there, it works. Mm, yeah. But putting the two of them in a two, I think they're just two kind of similar. The, the, neither well, of them are... We've said this in the podcast before, mate. You want the Ferdinand Vidic, don't you? That's the yeah, dream that, team. That's and we've got two Ferdinands. We, we need a Vidic in there. Yeah, we do, because neither of them are... Oh boy, both of them, real Ferdinands. That's that's high praise, but I, I Well, get, yeah, yeah, I know. I get it, to be honest, that's a, bad, that's a bad combo, because real Ferdinand was a, a sensational defender. <laughs> yeah. um, Rolls-Royce, yeah. But, but, but um, look, Branislav Ivanovic is available on a free transfer, apparently still kicking a ball. Uh, well, in, but there's a headline for tomorrow. Uh, podcast host brands Ayer, the new Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> That's not, no, no, no. I've had too many of those. Um, well, look, Neil Lennon knows it. He said today that, you know, we're in the market for a centre half. We're in the market for a centre half, a striker, maybe a midfielder, maybe a left back. One thing that yesterday, just finishing up, maybe in yesterday's game, you look at that bench and you think, there's nobody coming off to change the game. There's nobody coming no. off to change the game. No, it was very poor. You said Karamoko. He's maybe a bit of a luxury, but he's he's just turned 17. Yeah. The problem I've got with, with Karamoko is, you know, is he a luxury? No. Is he there to play football? No. Then get the boy out of my sight. You know, thanks, I will. You've proved my point, and that's cruft. <laughs> um, as, as far as I'm concerned. Karamoko's, yeah, Karamoko's not going to come off the bench and, and change a game. He's going to come on and do a couple of stepovers. We're going to all cheer, but nah, I'm just, I'm not having it. I think it would be desperately unfair to throw him into a game like that and expect him to change the game. We'd simply need better options in, in that department yeah. as well. We've not got any wingers at all. See, when you look at it, I'd actually thought in one or two of the friendlies, the, the squad was shaping up actually quite well. There, there was some strength and depth there, but when you actually look at some of the departments, they're brutally short and winger is one of them. Really only get Forrest, El Yunusi, Mikey Johnson has had these struggles with injury. That's it. That's it. We've got yeah. Karamoko, who's still very much a developing player. You can't throw him onto a game like that. He's he's going to be an excellent player, Karamoko, but to chuck him on when the team is completely bereft of creativity and expecting him to carry that on his tiny wee shoulders, I think would be very, very harsh on, on him as a player. And then you're reaching back, all the way back to the, the back seat for Marian Schwed to come in and, and, and make <laughs> yeah, an impact. No. Look, we've look, we've done so much mourning here. We actually forgot about forgot to talk about the Celtic goal, yeah. but at the end of the day, it was just a really good free kick for Ryan Christie. But the keeper saw it all the way down the track. It's like you're standing at the station and you see the train coming all the way down the track, and the keeper still managed to miss it. Good strike though, Melly. 
Yeah, it was a good strike. I didn't expect it coming. Commentators kept comparing it to the Fulham goal last week, but mm. apart from the fact that it was far out, it was nothing like mm. it. It was a high one into the near post. Christie's one was a low one into the far post. I don't know. Maybe to, to be fair to the commentators, they were probably struggling for things <laughs> to filling, talk about. Nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lord knows it's a struggle sometimes. I think that was that was really disappointing. <laughs> but we got ourselves in front. Maybe I wouldn't say we didn't deserve it, but we were poor the first couple of minutes. Got that early goal. We thought we'll just settle down now, and then that simple ball up the line, Julian. Like Julian, we've already spoke about. It was criminal what he done, but Scott Brown as well coming in the wrong side, trying to tackle side on from behind. Yeah. Going and tackle mm. and then Julian can cover, but Julian shows him where he can go and then cuts inside. It's a schoolboy defending. It was really, it was abysmal from the two of them. And that just gives Kilmarnock something to hold on to then. They weren't very good recently, but they've still got that Steve Clark in them where they can hold on to something. Yeah. Broadfoot and Finlay, as much as I despise Broadfoot as a player, they're decent at what they do and that's all they've done was just defend and block and we didn't give them anything to think about yesterday. The midfield's very effective in that regard. I think they're... A oh, two horrendous people. Yeah, the Dicker and Power, they're, they're very, you know, they're very tough, very tough, which is why I, I, at the time I understood the inclusion of Scott Brown. I wouldn't have held on to him for quite so long, as I said earlier, but I understood the inclusion because we were going to be up against a very... A gritty, to say the least, midfield. Dicker and Power are very tough. They're tough customers, and you know Tish Bola can can dole it out as well. But they're very, very effective at that. Very effective at making it a, a tough old slog in the midfield, and that's exactly what they did yet again. So that was Celtic bereft of three points, and if there was only anyone at the club that could crop up in one of these sticky away ties, a wee naff, a wee half chance, just a wee peek a goal on that left foot. If there was just any, you know, is there anyone, Stephen, we've talked about Shved, we've went all the way back, is there anyone you could think of who could score a half chance, pull us out of a, of a muddy, sticky game like that, away to come like, Is there anybody you can think of? Am I thinking of forgetting of anyone? Nah, nah, no one immediately leaps to mind. I'll, I'll go and check. Lee the, Griffiths, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's Lee Griffiths. Say, I'll go and check uh, the headlines yeah. to see if anything comes up. Let me check TikTok. <laughs> To see uh, what he's having from Nando's today. Oh dear, oh dear. Pathetic. Dear, oh dear. Lee Griffiths, where, where to begin? Um, well, right from where we picked up the last time, this is where it becomes an issue, is when he's not available for games such as this. Now, again, I wouldn't like to just reach for the low-hanging fruit and say, well, Lee Griffiths would have bailed us out there. And it's just, it's purely down to him being unavailable uh, that, that we've dropped points there. I don't think that's the case, but we did talk quite a bit about how we need options in there. We need plan Bs, Cs, Ds, whatever. If it's not working, we need to try different things. Griffiths isn't a physical presence, but he is he offers something different and he has proven in the past that he can play alongside Odson Edwards effectively in a partnership. If you go to the three at the back, Clamala hasn't proved that yet, but he is unavailable again and has been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. The... My feelings on this party thing, if, you don't, if you've been living under a rock or on the moon for the last week, we're obviously talking about the, the news that Griffiths was involved in some potentially guideline-breaking party antics, um, throwing his uh, girlfriend a, a party and potentially breaking the kind of household rules for, for social gatherings. The details for me are quite sketchy, but what my problem with Lee Griffiths is, is that for some reason, he just doesn't have the wherewithal about him to know how things look. Uh, well, what, like his hair. <laughs> well, <laughs> he doesn't know how that looks. <laughs> he, no, he doesn't know how that looks. Something they should probably tell him. But 
Ma- oh, hold on, but wait a wee minute. Just sorry, completely derail the point you're making. But did you see Brandon Barker? Oh goodness me! Oh, oh get my, that shaved. Come here, son. Is he not about twenty-two or something as well? Oh, I, oh, the poor bastard. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, Lee Griffiths, despite the fact that he doesn't know what he looks like physically, but he, for some reason he just kind of get it in his head how things appear online. It, it doesn't really seem to have enough about him to realise that stuff like that appearing on social media isn't going to go down well just now. Right, if you're going to do that, fair enough. Right, I, I, I'm not, As I said, I'm sketchy on the details of it, so I'm not going to pillory him for, the, for having the party itself, but... Don't put it on social media when there's so much focus on what what he's been up to just now. I, I don't know why like that that pair of numbskulls can just kind of keep stuff off social media. I, I've no idea why, but yet again, he's just the, the focus is on him for all the wrong reasons. Oh, you mean him and his missus? Yeah, well, when you said the pair of numbskulls. Take that, ah, right, take okay. that how you however you want. <laughs> Obviously, th- th- these things are being further inflamed by. The, the Aberdeen scandal as well with uh, mm-hmm. the COVID-8 having basically got a game called off. So the easy line to draw was between what Lee Griffiths did and what Aberdeen did. So I, I don't know if I agree with that either, but can we just please keep the heat doing, mate? That's all we're asking. It's just, just another case aye. of a lack of professionalism. Aye, it, and that is... Yeah, it is. And I, I just, I don't know why I can't just decide whether it's right or wrong I know a lot of people come out defending him saying oh but look he's just a normal guy why can he not have a party why can why can Aberdeen players not go to the pub everybody else is going to the pub because it's not the same it, not all jobs yeah. are the same like, the, you have to realise so, like, <laughs> okay. it's like, it's like I, I, if the footballers, if, and if they footballers decided to break the guidelines right the, the, the game's in the game's in the bin Aye, you know what I mean and there's protocols and there's testing for these guys for a reason yeah. and, and that's really as it is and for me it's just another example of Lee Griffiths you know if you get a row at your work for the next week you want to be in your best behaviour exactly and that's what I mean about and, the, the appearances of these things it just doesn't it doesn't have it about him to, to just realise how things are going to look if he thinks he's in the right can he not have that part of the brain that says, but it's going to look really bad. It's going to look really mm. bad if I'm having parties out here while Celtic are dropping points. And I don't care if it was the week before and the sun sat on it. Who cares, right? The reason the media, if you want to blame the media for these things, the reason they know about these things is because it was plastered all over social media. And that's nobody's yeah. fault but the people who put it there. So I don't want to go on the... But the Lee Griffiths thing is, again, it's a sensitive subject. I appreciate that. And I know he's had his struggles, but that doesn't mean he is without accountability. If he is, if he just if he plain just can't be held accountable for his own actions, then where do we go with that? How do we get reintegrate him back into a football team if he's just out there doing whatever he wants? I'd I don't I don't want to have a, an out and out rant about it, but my heart sinks every time I, I see the guy's name now because I know it's not going to be good. I know it's not going to be good news. And I just. I just wish he could just keep his head down and out the way just now. Well, Celtic find themselves linked to Ivan Tony, Albina Jetty, and obviously Stephen Fletcher. So it's obvious that Neil Lennon has got his eye on his striking options. Yeah. Celtic, after that result, find themselves two points adrift of league leaders Hibernian. We've handed Hibs a two-point advantage in the title race already. Next up for Celtic, St Mirren. St Mirren have already lost to Rangers in Aberdeen, but beat Livy. And then after that, we've got... Um, Coronavirus Central. We've got Aberdeen down in Glasgow. Whether or not they can make that game is another mm. thing. Aberdeen lost to Rangers, obviously, and had their other match postponed. What do you want to see different in this St Mirren game, Melly? A lot. I think to start with, I'd go 3-5-2 from the very start. Whether it's Who's with, your two? 
I'd probably go with Edward and El Yunusi, see how that mm. goes. If I, mm-hmm. The way I've worked out my team, I'd have El Hamid and Ayer and Julian at the back. I'd have Forrest on the right, Taylor on the left, and then a midfield free of Cham, McGregor and Christie with El Yunusi and Edward up front. Now it's 3-5-2, but can easily switch to a 4-2-3-1. Bit harsh on Frimpong, as he's not done much wrong, but... If you're going to do three five two, it's between him and Forrest, and with Elhamid playing there, he can go to right back if it was to switch to a four two three one. So I just think that's the best way to go about it. But look, there's no plastic pitch, so there's no that excuse this time. But Celtic need to start winning these games again. We can't go into another game and drop more points. We still don't know if the Aberdeen game's definitely going to go ahead. No. So we need to get a win here. We need to get back on track. And look, the fans have done a lot recently. We are struggling here. We can't watch the games, but we've went out. We've bought the season tickets. We've bought the training gear. We've bought the strips. We need The team needs some help as well now because the Celtic, as we've seen, what did we have on the bench? We had nothing. Flinging on bowling goalie. He didn't even put in one cross when he came on. None of the subs really made an impact. We need better and we deserve better as fans as well. So it's time for everybody to step up. We have to use last week as a wake-up call and we need to start again. We were very good at it last year. If we drop points, we went on a big run after that. We need to do that again starting Wednesday night. Taking attention away for domestic matters, the draw for the Champions League have been made. Celtic will play Reykjavik at home. Obviously, this time around, that's a single match playoff. Last time we played Reykjavik, we beat them 5 0 in aggregate in 2014. Oh, um, Moneyfield, wasn't it? Eh? I think it was. Oh, yeah. You know, this qualifier for this year's Champions League is going to take place before last year's final. <laughs> yeah. So, so we play we play Reykjavik before they've actually settled last year's tournament. I, I read um, some stat, or, or heard some stat during the games that. I think Wolves, they won't be the only team, they won't be unique in this, but Wolves' season has now lasted something like 397 days. So it, yeah, it started right. last July and is now into August August 2020. See see if a team had done particularly well in last season's Champions League. What, what stage are we at the Champions League now? Quarters. If they'd done particularly well in last season's Champions League, they could feasibly be playing in last year's Champions League and... Next year's cha- and this year's Champions League, couldn't they? They could be playing in a qualifier for this yeah. year and still be in the quarters from last I mean, year. So they could yeah, be in- if Rangers had a somehow miraculously turned that round last last week, they'd be in the Europa League for this year and next year simultaneously. Unprecedented lads. Ah, don't ban ban. And the second round's been drawn. Celtic could play Jurgen Garden of Sweden or Fenic Varos of Hungary. Uh, and that'll be again a single knockout game breaking uh, out these, Park. Have, these single games we avoid games. Oh, sorry I'm breaking out about these uh, single knockout oh, games by the way go on shit mate go and absolutely piss it don't you Rekovic worry Rekovic might not even be allowed to play because they, yeah, they need special dispensation oh, right. they need special dispensation to play fling them on, on let football win fling everybody who's under under threat out they're and on still that, greeting about that, by the way. They've got that in their stadium and everything. Oh, yes, like yeah. Warshaw with their, their Edinburgh meeting room. Oh, that, yes. that, that done the rounds on Twitter recently. And on that, we shall wrap up. But as promised, we have a special guest coming on the podcast. We have a special Patreon podcast coming up tomorrow. Yes. We're going to drop it tomorrow, Stephen, with a very special guest. Do you want to tell listeners who that is? I'm positively giddy with excitement to be joined for the second time at a, a bona fide not only friend of the podcast, but a, a genuine Celtic legend. We're going to be joined by none other than Chris the Evil Genius Sutton uh, for a, mm. an exclusive interview in which he is going to tell us what he feels is wrong with modern football and more importantly, how to fix it. It is a, a wide-ranging interview that takes in 
you know a lot of different subjects that's not only quite funny quite you know it's, it's that typical Chris Sutton tone is he a wee is he being tongue-in-cheek? Is he is he just having a sly dig? But there's also some more sobering and moving moments as well as he as he talks yeah. a little bit it's more. It's really, really, yeah, really good. Some serious was, subjects was, in there. Yeah, he was so generous with his time. He's yeah. so generous with the stuff he spoke about and all that. It's it's honestly a brilliant interview. That'll be going up on the Patreon tomorrow. So if you're not a patron, time to sign up. Patreon.com slash 20MinuteTims. Get involved and that can be the first thing you listen to. How good's that? Now, we must award the, the gold badge, the solid gold badge to our favourite review of the week and that goes to who? Yeah, I've whittled it down to three finalists, three very, right. very kind okay. reviews that we've received over the past week. And first in there was Chris Conahan who told us mm. it's an absolute honour for me to listen to this podcast. I'm telling you that now. Ooh. Honestly, it is an honour. And at the end of the day, I will I will do everything I possibly can to listen to this podcast wherever I can. That's at Chris Conahan. So I enjoyed that week. Knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. a week yes. on New Year's reference. We've also got one from the Agent of Chaos, G Mizzle, and another from P McAnally89, and that is the content they offer for all Celtic matches. Oh, I've heard enough. I've heard it. Stephen, do you know what? I'm heard enough. They're all getting a badge. Oh, oh your Uncle Jamie's what nasty. There, there we go. <laughs> to, to make up for that abysmal Celtic performance, I think we need to spread a bit of cheer. Aye. So that's it. Three badges. Three badges going out this week. This continues every single week. We want people to hop on Apple Podcasts. We want people to hop on a Podcast Addict. Leave us a review uh, and we'll pick our favourite one every week and send you a limited solid gold TMT badge. You cannot buy these anywhere. You can't buy them in the shops. No. You only get them if you win a competition from us. And on that, Stephen, would you like to sign off? Yes, uh, just to echo echo the sentiments. Thank you very much for everyone who's uh, sent in a review. We appreciate that very much. It helps us out a lot. And goodbye, folks. We'll see you next week. Melly. Goodbye, folks. Thanks for your ears. <laughs> thanks for your ears. Uh, and most of all, thanks for listening. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.